and welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. I'm a very sick Jacob Birch. With me, as always, Eric Steven. Hello. You know, we're middle of November. We weren't expecting a ton of news, but we got some some good bits, mostly Cody Bellinger, winner of the MVP. Eric, do you think Dodgers finally winning a position player MVP award, first time since they won the World Series, do you think this could be a, a sign that they're going to be stealing a page from the Astros playbook and winning the World Series sometime soon? I will say the only, like, before the season, like, I did not see this coming, but it sounds like the Astros might have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the problem with us switching to every two weeks is our jokes are, like, Jay Leno dated jokes, but I don't care. I don't care. Wait, what are you talking about? I don't you, get it. you mean hilarious? Are you saying we should have Kevin Eubanks on the podcast so you can laugh at everything you say? <laughs> oh. So we're going to talk about Cody Bellinger a lot, talk a little bit about the rest of the awards season, uh, talk a, we'll, we'll talk about the Astros and, and the sign ceiling and how many World Series the Dodgers have actually won, which is still zero, basically, in my lifetime. Then we've got uh, Dodgers Rewind, questions from Craig, all that and more after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So yeah, I wanted to talk about the Astros and just complain all episode record length, two hours long of just me complaining about the Astros and you wouldn't let me, Eric. I'm usually the one who sets off our, um, our explicit tag. Although just based on the headline alone that you wanted to use, we would have already been in the explicit tag, but it would have been fun just to hear you. Cause you, you generally don't you, I mean, I've heard you cuss in person, but like on the podcast, you haven't really. And so I would like I would have like a family show, Eric. You're, sure. you're a little 
I'm 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 the smut of the show. <laughs> yeah, and so like uh, I would have enjoyed just hearing you go off. That would have been fun. But yeah, we're we're gonna we, there's there actually is baseball-y things to talk about. So like that's what sort of drives this. But yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. We we have we do. There's a lot. I, I took some notes, and uh, it, it it I I find I find a lot of this very hilarious, but also like sadly hilarious like, yeah you know i think i think you and i might share some similar opinions and we'll talk about yeah. that but you know what you yelled at me last time i called it the final cody bellinger pace update so yep. this is the the postscript pace update cody bellinger won his award yeah What's so his pace? Cody, cody bellinger has played uh, now three seasons in major league baseball <laughs> he's won one mvp like it's presumptuous to say someone's gonna have a 20-year career and let alone a 21-year career. So we're going to cut Cody Bellinger off at 18 years. He's going to probably have made hundreds of millions of dollars by this point. Um, and so I, I'm going to limit his career to 18, maybe 19 years. So I would say Cody Bellinger's on pace to win six MVPs. It's pretty good. Yeah, it seems good. It would be one behind Barry Bonds for the record. So... <laughs> so. God, Barry Bonds. Although you know what, Mike Trout has Barry three. Bonds episode at some point. Mike Trout has three. I should I should point that out. And is only he just turned twenty eight. So maybe he'll have to break Mike Trout's record if, if at all possible. I mentioned it at the top. First Dodgers position player to win MVP since nineteen eighty eight. Kurt Gibson. A couple other things happened that year. I think. Uh, what where does this stand? Do you think amongst the rest of Dodger MVP players, specifically position players. Okay, so yeah, for first position player since Gibson. Really, like, it, since they moved to L.A., they've only had four position players. Like, Koufax and Kershaw won as pitchers. Um, but it was Kurt Gibson. Then Steve Garvey had the weird year where he was a write-in all-star and he had a bunch of RBIs. Um, 1974. Uh, they went to the World Series that year, too, lost. Maury Wills, 1962, the year he broke the stolen base record. Um, he somehow beat out Willie Mays that year. Like, <laughs> when you look back, you're like, oh, all right, I get it. <laughs> but, like, but then that year, the Dodgers won 102 games, um, although um, they lost in a three-game playoff to the Giants. So, um, you know, these are obviously very good teams. Um so yeah, like we, we've talked about this before. Like, where uh, where would Bellinger like end up ranking? Like, it, would, would he have the best season by WAR? Would he have the most home runs? He ended up like third in home runs. He was fifth in Baseball Reference WAR. He got the nine point there uh, on Fangraphs. He was seven point eight. It's always weird how like the the different sites value the defense and like how they factored in. Um, so 7.8, though, still that's still 10th best. And he's actually, like, right there with, um, for instance, on Fangraphs, Jackie Robinson, 1952, and Pedro Guerrero, 1985, which is, like, one of my personal favorite years because I was nine, and it was my first full season watching baseball, and Pedro Guerrero had 15 home runs in June. So, yeah, like, it was, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's an, it was an awesome year. Unlike the Rookie of the Year campaigns this year, I don't think anyone was surprised to see it. Not a unanimous vote. Not really close to a unanimous vote. Some really good contenders in the NL, especially <clears throat> Christian Yelich, who um, lost about a, almost a month to, to injury near the end of the year. That really probably cost him 
the the trophy. I think is the general consensus. Barrett, like, sure, he could have stayed healthy and then also tanked that month, and maybe that would have swung things. But he's a really good player. That probably wasn't going to happen. I think had he gotten those at bats, he would have won. But that's yep. the way it is. Um, how did the voting? How did the voting kind of shake out past that? So as it was, like Yelich still got like he got the ten first place votes, and Bellinger got nineteen. Um, the only like sort of uh, outlier ballot was uh, Tracy Ringlesby, who had Yelich fourth and Bellinger fifth. Sure. Like, all right. Yeah. Whatever. Who, who uh, were her top three? His um, he had. Um, it's okay. Uh, he had. Uh, man, I'm trying to remember now. Actually, okay. Oh, so I think it was Anthony Rendon. Sure. Um, and then Freddie Freeman the okay. second, and then Nolan Ornado, Ornado third. So mm-hmm. kind of weird, but like. You know, whatever. Like, you know, it happens. Like, just so yeah, Bellinger got <laughs> Bellinger got nineteen first place votes, ten second place votes. The fifth was his only non top two. So, um, it you know, like you said, it, it had it had Yelich finish the season, he probably wins his second straight MVP. But yeah, like it ended up like uh, uh, the you know just being able to be on the field and like finish it off, like sort of helped Bellinger in that regard. So I'm looking at over outline. You just have a bunch of numbers on this page. So I'm going to let uh, anything else you want to add about this year and just kind of where you think it stacks up and how we're going to be, maybe how we're going to be evaluating this year. You talk about Pedro Guerrero's 1985, five years, 10 years from now, how will we be ranking Cody Bellinger's 2019? Okay. So like, I, I think, um, you know, where he sort of, um, fits in, like, like we, we talked about, he's, you know, fifth in war, third, most home runs, uh, by OPS plus, uh, he was 169. That's 10th best in Dodger history. Nice. Um, right. And so the one, the one thing that sort of said to me, I, I mean, I don't know if I could point to a specific thing, but the general gist was like, well, okay. Aside from the fact that, you know, the vote was taken before the playoffs. So people can point to all the way. Yeah. But he choked in the playoffs and like, but then that got extended to like, well, Bellinger's season was basically only like his first two months, you know, when he was hitting like 400 uh, through nearly the end of May. It was May 21st when he was the latest he was at 400. Um, so I kind of looked at that a little bit. Um, so after after May 21st, that was the last day he was at 400. He was 404. Uh, he had <laughs> his, his OPS was 1270 that day. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> So that was through 47 games. So, like, really awesome. Um, after that, he hit 263, 371, 564 with 30 home runs, 71 RBIs, and 109 games. Now, far be it, like, it takes it takes a lot of stones to look at that line and say, yeah, but what did he do the last four months? You know, like, he hit 30 home runs in 109 games. I know it was the year of the home run, but, you know, still – 30 home runs in 109 games, it's going to play in, like, any era. And he did select 564 with a 371 on base. So, like, to, to sort of denigrate that is weird to me. It Now, what it does sort of look like a little bit is Ellinger's first two years combined. Um, he hit 263, 347, 522. So even in his, like, quote-unquote four-month slump at, to end this year, it was still better on base by 24 points and a better slugging by 42 points. So, like, those – I looked up on Pangrass because you can do, like, um, date by date splits there, and 
get some rate stuff. And um, those final 109 games were a 136 uh, WRC plus. So like, that's still really good. Out of all the major leaguers with 200 plate appearances over that time, uh, there's 294 of them. He was 39th. So again, still really good. And uh, Turner and Muncie, for instance, on the Dodgers were at 140. So Bellinger was like right there with them. So to like have a lineup with those three guys, like even at that level, at a sort of reduced level, Bellinger still made it like a very strong lineup. So like on its face, even that, like if if, you, if that's what you're hanging on, saying he really didn't do much over the last four months, that's like false. That plus it doesn't factor in like the excellent defense that he played, all this stuff. But I will defend it a little even further here because so you look at those first two years. His big thing this year was Bellinger's big thing this year was cutting down the strikeout rate. And basically, if you look at it, his strikeout rate the first two years was 25%. Even over his like worst, his quote unquote worst stretch, his his slump over those last 109 games, his strikeout rate was 17.3%. So he like cut it in a third. He cut a third off of his strikeout rate in his like slumpiest time. So like that was that's like perfectly fine. So that like that suggests to me that like there's there's actual improvement there, or at least uh, sort of in um, those first two years included yeah. hot streaks too, right? Like you right. can't just throw it out and, right. and but and not do that to the same. Like you're especially with hitters, there it there's always almost always like a streakiness to it, and you have to evaluate. You have to include the good. This is kind of the opposite problem. I mean, we'll talk. We'll get there a little bit when we talk about the Sion with Ryu, where a lot of players wanted to lift him up. Players, excuse me, fans wanted to lift him up by discluding those four so really really bad starts. And the problem is you can't do that. It's a single right. hole. Yeah, and that's that's sort of the 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 difficulty of a full season. Like it's a full season. Like you have to count everything. Like you can have a hot streak, but still like it really matters what you did over the whole year because there's, there's ups and downs in every year. And his overall year was great. Like he slugged 629 like that, that rarely happens with the Dodgers. That's the fifth best they've ever had. So like, uh, yeah, he was, he was excellent. Uh, the other thing about Bellinger, I'll say, um, it was cool that they had like his, they were at his mom's house, his parents' house, I guess. And like his mom was crying. And so, um, like that sort of set off Bellinger's tears. And I read, uh, I guess afterward that his dad like said something to him, former major leaguer himself. And like, he was crying then too. I, I thought, I thought that was like a really cool moment. And, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't really see people complain about it. I was, I was prepared to rant <laughs> on here, but it was like, I'm, I think that's good because showing emotions is good. So, and it's very healthy. So, yay. And this reward really is a culmination of, you know, uh, his hard work putting in, you know, how old? He's like 29 by now, you know. Yeah, exactly. Years. You know, he he just turned 24 <laughs> in, in, in July. So, Mike Trout uh, kind of has ruined this a little bit. What a joke. Right. <laughs> right. Mean, but non Troutian, that's still just really incredible. Well, that's the thing. Like, so uh, Bellinger, right? And on Baseball Reference alone, like he he had like by any measure like a a fantastic year, a great epic year with nine WAR. Right? That's that's what Mike Trout's averaged in his eight full seasons. (laughs) So, like, good luck, everybody. Like, uh, when going up against Mike Trout. 
All right, not an Angels podcast. Let's let's keep talking about how awesome Cody Bellinger is. Um, so uh, part of the, the third season, uh, what does the future for Cody Bellinger look like contract-wise with the Dodgers? Um, it seems like a thing that I've kind of always been beating on the show when the Dodgers continue to not sign big free agents is you have to assume that at least one big contract extension is on their mind. A, a year ago, it was like, Maybe it's Seeger and Bellinger. Maybe it's only one of them. Uh, this def- this season has definitely put Cody in the front seat for that. Do you see an extension coming? Are they going to do like they have with a lot of their other uh, pre-agents to be and just kind of let it wait until maybe the year before? Well, I will say this. like I, I don't believe they'll sign anyone to an extension until they do because they haven't done it yet, this mm-hmm. current group. Like, the last one they did was uh, Clayton Kershaw, and that was before Andrew Friedman came along. Um, so, yeah, like, they'll – so, okay, so Cody Manager, he's played three seasons. He was called at mid-April of 2017, so he doesn't quite have three full seasons, but he is a super two He had among the highest uh, group of players with less than three years of service time but more than two – um, in service time. So he's going to have four years of salary arbitration instead of three. Julio Urias is in the same boat, although obviously not the same circumstances. He's not coming off a Cy Young year or anything close to that. So we talked about this last podcast a little bit and what their uh, projections were. Like the Dodgers have 12 arbitration eligible guys. So Bellinger is actually projected to earn $11.6 million. That would set a record for a player in his first year of arbitration. And that sort of led me to look up um, some other sort of recent players. So Cody Bellinger, three years in, Rookie of the Year MVP and his resume. Ryan Howard did the same thing. He won Rookie of the Year in 05, um, MVP in 06. He was a Super 2 uh, for 2008. So 12 years ago, uh, Howard uh, got 10, uh, yeah, uh, 10 million that first year. And then through arbitration, and then the next year signed a three-year, $54 million extension, sort of uh, avoiding uh, arbitration. So for those four years before he would have been eligible for free agency, he ended up signing another extension later, and then he got hurt, which was which crippled the Phillies a little bit, and him. Um, so, so $64 million for the four years. Um, Chris Bryant uh, was... Uh, he was what rookie of the year in 14 MVP or maybe other, other way around, I guess. Was he MVP in 16? Yeah. Anyways, two of those years. So he was a super two in 2018. So just two years ago, he, uh, he has the record. He beat Ryan Howard's record. He had 10.85 million that first year. He went through arbitration last year and got 12.9. So he's going year to year. MLB trade rumors projects him at 18 and a half million this year. And then he still has one more year next year. So, He's already at 42, just over 42 million for three years. And you figure he'd probably top at least 20 million. So he'd, he'd be in that $64 million range. Same thing that Howard was. So if that's what you're looking at, and if Bellinger's ahead of both of those guys in year one, and especially, well, for now, because he's coming off like the striking while the iron is hot here, he doesn't have leverage because he's not a free agent or anything. But I think that sort of makes it sort of plausible that he might, but like, from a team standpoint, the the problem is this. Like, okay, so we talked about this too. The, the Dodgers, if if they're using the salary, the CBT 
threshold as like a salary cap because they they did not go over uh, 2018 or 19. So, you know, at, at the very least, it's a loose cap. So this this year they actually do have room. We talked about that. They can make they can make some moves and still sort of be under the threshold. So if you count Bellinger, so for this for the CBT purposes, if he goes year to year and he does get eleven point six million in arbitration, who knows what he's going to actually get? But that would count as his number for this year. If you sign an extension, the the numbers are only going to go up the next three three years. So let's say they just sign him for the four years, and let's say. He gets a bump from the Howard and Bryant numbers. So he's at like four years and 70 million, right? So that's 17 and a half million per year would be the CBT number. So you're art. So even though you're only paying Bellinger this year, 11.6, you're like tacking on another 6 million of empty space in the CBT number. So that creates a little bit of a problem there. That said, you're also saving money the next few years as he gets, he starts earning more than that. So like that's where the, the long-term sort of planning of this goes. So I think the Dodgers would want to sign him something beyond the four years, like say a six-year deal or something. And then, then it's for Bellinger's like, is it worth it? How much money do you have to, does he have to make to make it worth it? But then you could look back, like they probably would have, this same logic would have applied to Corey Seager um, after 2017. And then he ended up getting hurt, like uh, even worse in, April and having Tommy John. So like that's the risk. Cause like if you if had the Dodgers signed Corey Seager to a similar type deal before 2018, they would be like, he'd be, I mean, look, he still wouldn't, he'd still be fine in terms of a value standpoint, but in terms of what the team would have to risk and, and put out there, like it wouldn't have been as good of a deal because he hasn't been as good. And he also missed almost a full year. So like that's, you're t- talking about like what what why would the team actually risk that unless they they feel like the savings is enough or they want to lock it in to get that lower CBT number for in future years I don't know but like so I I don't I don't know if he's going to sign extension but this makes him sort of a a prime candidate for such a thing uh, one more note on Bryant we talked about this before he's still he filed a grievance cuz he's literally one day short of 3 years and this was um uh, almost five years ago now that this happened and it's still like being resolved. So like, that's weird. Um, but like, so if, if he wins, it would like change a lot baseball because a lot of other players could be like, Hey, you screwed me over too when you, you gained my service time. So who knows what's going to happen there, but like that's still sort of out there, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Bellinger, yes. Prime candidate for, um, contract extension. Will we see it? Uh, I Give me a percentage. Give me a patent and Eric Steven percentage. Um, 31.725%. Okay. I'll take that. I'll take those odds. Maybe you and you know, I will talk over the holidays. Maybe I'll lay you some odds. You, uh, a quick behind the scenes look. We, we have made infinite bets on this show and have never kept track of them ever. Never. You, you have made a Google spreadsheet to keep track of it. So I have to be careful anytime I actually lay odds. We'll have to we'll have to figure out what the the wager is actually going to be against. What well, yeah. It should be against something. It should be something good. We'll we'll figure that out. First board? No? All right. <laughs> let's let's not. Okay. 
So I, I want to talk a little bit about um, Hyunjin Ryu. Do you have anything more on Bellinger before I do? I think you probably do. Uh, the we could well yes okay I just will say this <laughs> so nice. we're gonna we're gonna talk I think probably next episode possibly another one about like the Dodgers in the 2010s and I did some research on this and it turns out this episode was like we got so much stuff that we're not gonna go really in depth into this but I will just say where where do you think Bellinger ranks in home runs among Dodgers in the 2010s so combined like career like time. Home runs hit in that decade as opposed to just seasons? Well, with the Dodgers. Among Dodgers hitters in the 2010s, 2010 to 2019, okay. where do you think Bellinger ranks in home runs? Man, I hate I'll, get, I'll tell you, he has 111 home runs. Yeah, okay. Years. I was a little, I, I was like, okay, right, around 120. And a lot of, I will guess fourth. He is fourth. Oh, yeah. Very good. Uh, okay, since you're doing so well. No, don't. don't uh, <laughs> okay. Okay, I will, I will say this. Where do you think he ranks in baseball reference war? Ooh, that's interesting. Um, on, among Dodgers. Position, Position players? players? Okay. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, but, but without without giving this away, like, for, for our team, I will say the 2010s are very weird. Yeah. Because yeah. you basically have, like, it's, like, almost split in half. You have like this one group that was like the first five years, and mostly this group were the next five years. Uh, I would say Andre Ethier has like the most seasons, but those last two years were basically like him not healthy, so like he barely played. So it really is like a five and five group almost, like uh, right with a bunch. And, of, it's, and it's Cody only has three and, seasons. That's why you have to because you're talking total war, right? Not average. Yeah, total war. Uh, fourth. God, you're getting excellent at this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, my my goal on this was I was gonna um, I I won't go through all the categories, but I will just say this. So I have six six categories: home He's runs, fourth in all of them. No, no, he, that's his best in all of them. The uh, he 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 lags on the other ones, but hits. Uh, don't think Bellinger right now. Home runs, hits, runs, ribbies, and then both wars. I will. I want you to name. All six play. There are six different players who are ninth in each of these categories for the decade. Just, just name name a bunch of players, and I will tell you if they are if they are ninth in one of these categories. Yasiel Puig. No, okay. Uh, I will tell you this. Um, Yasiel Puig is one of three players to be in the top five of all six of those wow. categories. Wow, good for him. Yeah. Uh, Justin Turner. Nope, he is also one of the people who are <laughs> in the top five. He's actually in the top four of every category. Max Muncy. So close. He's he's tenth in <laughs> three categories. He has exactly ten war in, in both base warmers and fangrafts, and he's tenth in both, so it's funny he's tenth for tenth. And then he's also tenth in home runs despite playing two seasons. Adrian Gonzalez. <laughs> oh, no, his he is actually close uh, in that he he's he's like in the periphery. Uh, his lowest rank is eleventh for Fangraphs War. Man, I'm I'm just I'm just dancing around it. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna do one more name. I'm gonna think yep, about and it, then I'll, and then I'll tell you. Yes, Monty Grendall. There's one. Yes, uh, he he is sixth in our. Or, I'm sorry, ninth in RBIs, two hundred forty-five. Got another one in you? 
Um, we're, we're, we're going make until you miss right now. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor is ninth in yes. runs, <laughs> 230 runs. Um, let's keep doing weird utility players. Kike Hernandez. Oh, da, da, da. <laughs> he he ranks uh, anywhere of these six categories between 10th and 14th. So okay. he is very, very consistently where he is. Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe he could sneak in the ninth on like runs or something like that. So, okay. So, uh, just a quick, since I just randomly chose nine, I, I, I chose it because there's six different ones in these categories. So that's why. Um, okay. Uh, Hanley Ramirez, 10.2 war is ninth. Uh, you said Grendel and Taylor. Um, James Loney, 395 hits. Ninth. <laughs> Definitely would not have um, guessed James Loney. <laughs> For baseball reference work, 10.8. Ten, ten, he was there for a long time. Uh, 10.8. Actually, he wasn't because he yeah. uh, he was traded in like August of 2012. Thank you. But he was a hit machine. <laughs> uh, so uh, 10.8 baseball reference war. Ninth place is Jock Peterson. Mm. And uh, someone who I've already mentioned on this podcast, 73 home runs. Ninth uh, in this decade, Corey Seager. Okay. He would have been he would have been amongst my next guesses. Running out of players though, so sure, exactly. It, it, well, it's just funny because I was going through this list. I'm going, oh, like I didn't realize if certain guys were like as high as they were on a bunch of these. So like, it was kind of illuminating to to see. All right, with that, we're going to close the Cody Bellinger discussion half hour and move on to other news. Starting with the Cy Young Award after this. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I have surprise news for you, Eric. What? Hyunjin Ryu did not win the Cyan. What? He came close. Come though. on. Look, he got a first place vote. Does that count? These <laughs> horses, I mean, right? Yeah, and so it technically does. Uh, uh, Mark Wicker, who a local reporter, uh, longtime colonist here, uh, SoCal News Group, uh, they have the Orange County Register and um, LA Daily News, so I blanked on that for some reason. Um, yeah, among their papers, but uh, he was the only first place vote for Ryu. He wrote a column about it. I will just quote what Ryu said. Jacob deGrom won, by the way. Um, so Good his name, quote... Man. And uh, <laughs> I know DeGrom, right? Seriously? Um, <laughs> uh, Mark Wicker's quote, uh, to deprive Rue of the Cy Young because of four games that meant approximately as much as G League exhibition seemed a little silly. Now, you, you brought this up earlier. He had the really bad four-start stretch where he gave up seven runs twice, and then like he was just 
he didn't last long in it, but then he recovered. Overall, he led the league in ERA. Great season. Like Degrom had the stronger finish, better peripherals, more innings. I mean, I was I was not surprised Jacob Degrom won. I, I was surprised he got twenty nine out of thirty first place votes because it's like really okay, like I get it, but like uh, that that seemed a little. Uh, a little out of place for me, but like I, with the outcome was basically what we expected. So like, no, it wasn't like any big deal one way or the other. Now, okay, so Ryu is one of twelve Dodgers pitchers to receive a first place vote, but not win the Cy Young that year. Okay, this list. Includes pitchers who have won the Cy Young. That was going to be my clarification. Yeah, you told me this question was coming a, a minute or two ago. Yeah, and that was the clarification I needed. Okay, you you ready? So it's twelve, right? Okay, so my my question to you: How many of those twelve can? Well, how many of those eleven? Can you? Know, uh-huh. I'll even give you how many of the twelve can uh-huh. you name, knowing that you're going to get one for you. That's one. Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll. So okay, we're gonna do. I get three fails. It's a family. That's um, fine. Perfect. Family feud rules. Okay. Yep. Eric Gagne. I'm gonna start hard. By the way. No, he the only year oh, he got man. first place. The only time he got first place votes was 2003, and he got 28 out of 32. Yeah, I was 21. hoping hoping he had one more year. Yep. All right, uh, Clayton Kershaw. Four times he got <laughs> first place votes and didn't win. And so he, he was a stretch where um, from for seven years, 2011, 2017, he got uh, at least two first place votes every single year. Uh, the years he didn't win, uh, he finished second, second, third, and fifth. So, yes. Okay. Kevin Brown. Nope. Oh, Never no. received a first place oh, vote as no. a Dodger. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's starting to crumble. <laughs> yeah. uh, Don Drysdale. Don Drysdale. Okay, so Don Drysdale is hurt in the fact that I, I should have brought this up ahead of time. So the current ballot, uh, I believe, started 1970. Oh, okay. uh, Of like uh, first, second, and third. And so... Before that, it was only it was like first place vote, and I mean there wasn't even first, it was just vote, okay. like you just voted for one pitcher. So like if uh, he, the year Don Drysdale got votes was 1962, he got 14 out of 20, and he won. Uh, the the three years Sandy Koufax won, they were all major league Cy Youngs, by the way. Um, he got 20 out of 20 votes. So like they there were some dominant years. So yeah, Drysdale didn't win. So I'm do you counting. want to count not, that as I'm a miss? No, okay. Yeah, we're not counting. I, I don't blame you. I don't All blame right. you. Don Sutton. Don Sutton twice. Yes. Uh, 1974, 1976, he got one first place vote both years. Uh, 74 was the unique year where reliever Mike Marshall won, who pitched 208 innings. <laughs> it's just funny to say because uh, he was a reliever. Um, uh, it was uh, Andy or Andy Messersmith uh, who would become the first free agent like or who challenged the he wasn't technically the first free agent but like uh the first that mattered in that uh arbitration case that sort of changed baseball forever master smith was second and don sutton was fourth so dodgers did well they won 102 games and went to the world series so yeah okay um this is this could i could run into the gagne problem here but i'm gonna go with it fernando 
twice. Okay. Uh, so he won as a rookie, 1981. Uh, 1982, come back, he finished third. He got one first place okay. out, of, uh, <laughs> out of 24. 1986, when he won 21 games, he had 20 complete games. Excuse me. Um, he finished second and got nine out of 24 okay. votes. That, okay. that was a very close vote that year. Uh man, I'm just I'm on I'm on house money. I got a little further than I was expecting. So let's see. Well. Uh Hideo Nomo. No. Yeah. Never received a first that was, place. That was okay. a that was a hope. I didn't think he actually did. I thought maybe there had been one crazy person his rookie year. Uh so but knew it was I'll, a long shot. I'll reveal everyone to you. It, it's basically alphabetic order by first name. Uh Al Downing, nineteen seventy one. He finished third, got one first place vote. Messer Smith, who I mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, got five first place votes in 1974, finished second. Um, uh, Jerry Royce pitched a no hitter in 1980. He finished second uh, and got one first place vote. Oral Hershiser, uh, he, he bookended. Uh, Definitely needed to guess Oral. He, he he, yeah. So he bookended 1988 by finishing fourth in 1987, 1989. He got two first place votes in eighty seven, one in eighty nine. I will say this: like he was, he he had a five hundred record both years. So like props to the voters for looking beyond that because he had very good peripherals uh, and good ERA and stuff. So yeah, good for him. Uh, Ramon Martinez, nineteen ninety, only he. That was another year where it was like he was very. Um, he should have been closer than it was. Doug Drabeck won. He got one first place vote, finished second. Um, Sal Magley. Uh, we may or may not talk about later this oh, episode. Uh, 1956, the first year of a Cy Young, Don Newcomb won. Uh, Sal Magley, who the Dodgers got that year in May, he finished second. He got four out of 16 first place votes. And again, this was major league vote only. Uh, Sandy Kopex, one of the years he didn't win, 1964, he was hurt part of the year. He still got one first place vote for huh. one vote. I, I would not have, obviously, he was an easy name of Dodgers pitcher, but right. I, I just figured it was all or nothing. <laughs> and it basically was, except like that was a weird year. Then the other one, Tommy John, post surgery, 1977, three first place votes, finished second. That makes sense. I yeah. think I definitely could should. I oral just completely guess, uh, whiffed my mind, but uh, I'm, I'm okay yeah. with my guesses. I'm all right. Yeah, no, you did. You did very well. I agree. All right, what other news? We got some other news before I complain about uh, the Astros. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Christopher Negron, uh, you I was you at wanted this. to do a, a special edition episode just on this. I, you, you were on vacation. I did text you, and I said, "Emergency pod." Christopher <laughs> Negron retired, and uh, sadly, we couldn't make it work. But. Um, yeah, so I was looking at this like I the Dodgers like transaction page list that uh, Negron got released on November eighth, and he like tweeted out something on the twelfth saying like you know my 12, 14 years in baseball, you know thanks to everybody that kind of thing. It's very heartfelt. It was nice. Um, I I always I always wonder about this. Like I don't know exactly how this happened, but did did the release come first, and then he just decided you know what. Or it was like, did he just decide, like, I'm? he probably read the writing on the wall. We talked about him. He, he's out of options. He was a long shot to sort of stay on the 40-man. Like, if they need a room, he was probably going to be a casualty. So I would imagine that probably helped his decision, uh, not not knowing which exactly came first. But, yeah, so he, he was six years in Major League Baseball, uh, spread over eight years from 2012 to 2019, uh, Reds, D-backs, Mariners, and Dodgers. The Dodgers got him on July 29th, and, 
he he started ten of the first twelve games. Remember how we were talking so about weird. like at the time it was like, well, look, he would be on the team for two bring, days. They could just bring up Gavin Lux because yeah. <laughs> like, we were we were talking about this because well, well wait, they're not going to do that because they they need him to play. And at this time, like both Kike and Chris Taylor were hurt, right? So they had to like sort of get by for a little bit and. Uh, and well, then they got into groan. We're like, okay, well, it gives them someone they could stash on the bench. And then he starts ten of the twelve first twelve <laughs> games. We're like, what is going on? But then he also like he hit a home run in like two straight games. And it was like, okay, he ended up hitting two fifty nine, two ninety eight, three eighty nine. Perfectly acceptable from like a, a utility man, like sort of down the the bench. Really, uh, he only started four of the final forty two games. Basically, after the cavalry got uh, healthy, so. Yeah, I, he was, you know, it was cool. Like, he, he started at six different positions for the Dodgers in his very limited time. So, you know, look, we, we talk about all the time they value utility. He started all three outfield spots, every infield spot, but first base. So he he sort of filled a need. And I I think it's good to sort of appreciate those players. You're, you're going to look and say, well, his war wasn't anything. But, like, those players still are cool. They have good stories. And he was no 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 secret to that. Um, the Dodgers, the 40 man is at 37. That doesn't include Andrew Tolles and Yadier Alvarez. Like I said, I'm not sure exactly how long they can keep them on the restricted list if they still do it over the offseason or not, but that's basically where we're at. It, at worst, it's 30, at most it's 39, but it's really 37. So that's sort of where we're at right now, Dodgers roster. Is it time? Oh, it's time. So are the Dodgers the champions of 2017? They are not. What? Um, so, like, I. It's funny. Like, uh, I. Okay. Uh, so I don't know about you. So this story came out, and I'm like, oh, sure, that makes sense. <laughs> like, yeah. cheating is probably rampant in all sports by all teams. I was, I, I think I, this came out while I was on vacation, as you mentioned. I, I think was a little surprised at how, how. And maybe this may have to do the fact that they've been in the the Yankees twice in a row, but just yeah. how far this has run, and just like how villainized they've become, as opposed to um, you mentioned earlier the sort of Apple Watch Red Sox scandal mini scandal, which seemed to like come and go in a week. This has yes. taken the baseball world so by like, storm, and and maybe maybe rightfully, but I yeah. guess I was just. I'm so cynical at this point that I just said, eh, cheaters prosper. It's fine. It's going to move on. They're going to lose a draft pick and move on with our life. Yeah. And I, and even that, like, like if you look back, like, um, so from a timeline perspective, uh, what, two years ago uh, in 2000, in 2017, the same year, the Astros were doing their shenanigans. Um, the, uh, this is how, how like fun and dumb this is. So the, the, uh, MLB was um, investigating the Red Sox because the Yankees complained to them and said, <laughs> "Hey, our rivals are cheating. Like they're um, they're using a camera and then communicating to the dugout, and like you're not allowed to do that. Like sign stealing, like I said, gone on forever. But the general the general rule is like you you should you should be able to do it with your eyes, right? Like you have to like spot it and like react accordingly." You can't use like um, cameras to do it. You're not allowed to um, sort of uh, 
communicate with the dugout electronically. So the, the MLB, I, I almost keep saying the MLB, which is not right at all. But like <laughs> the Googles, the memes, yes, the exactly. baseballs. <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to, when we're done here, I'm just going to go sit and watch my stories. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So uh, MLB is like sort of, um, uh, I read, I went back and looked at the like press release on this and, so they found that Red Sox did, in fact, send electronic communications. That's how they termed it from the video replay room to the dugout. And so MLB, before it like re, uh, released its sort of punishment, they, they said they had three points. One, the incidents occurred without ownership or front office knowledge. OK, like, sure. <laughs> but let's just take that on face value. Fine. Second thing, once the Red Sox learned of the Yankees' complaint, they stopped immediately. <laughs> <laughs> sure, they did. Okay. The third thing was they the MLB the MLB got assurances from that the from the Red Sox that they would stop doing this. So in taking all that in, they were fined. But what MLB noted in this press release is that all thirty clubs. This is quote: All thirty clubs have been notified that future violations of this type will be subject to more serious sanctions, including the possible loss of draft picks. Now, it, it doesn't stop there because the best part about this whole thing was the only reason MLB was um, investigating the Red Sox was because the Yankees complained. During their investigation, MLB found that the Yankees also cheated. <laughs> and, and, but they did it separately. They, they were using the dugout phone to relay things, and you're only, you're only supposed to use it to, like, call to the bullpen, basically. And they were using it to like, hey, this, uh, you know, basically stealing signs. So, the, and they found this was in uh, like years prior to 2017. So the Yankees also got fined, right? So this brings us to the Astros. So the crux of this, I don't know, this had to have been like an ongoing investigation, but it was basically Evan Drellick and who was a longtime um, Astros beat writer. Now he's more national. He did work for their covered the Red Sox for years after. He started as an intern on MLB.com with the Dodgers under Ken Gurnick. Um, so, like, he's been around, right? And Ken Rosenthal on The Athletic, they had one story come out that was sort of the bombshell of this that said that the Astros were relaying signs during the 2017 season. Mike Fires went on record. He was on the team in 2017, so he, like, detailed what they were doing. Um, Danny Farquhar was an opposing pitcher on the White Sox. He detailed a game against him. So this comes out, and it was like the, the best part of this. So the crux of this article was basically like they had a camera, and they were using it to pick up the catcher sign. Someone in the like area between the dugout and clubhouse, the tunnel there, was you're basically like uh, – within an earshot of the dugout. There was a trash can there. They were hitting the trash can with a metal bat. So all this high-tech stuff, right? That's how they seal the signs. And how they communicated <laughs> was to bang on a damn trash can. And then the best part is so John Boy, this Twitter account, like just started going through games, right? And he found, there's a couple of games that are so op, like painfully obvious, like uh, including one of the Farquhar games. And it's like... <laughs> You know, the they would bang basically for a changeup for a non-fastball. So, sign for a fastball, no sound. Sign for a changeup, bang bang. Like, <laughs> and, then, and then like the and then the pitch would come and like the park part like figured it out. Um, so fat. This is 2017, mind you. So, 
fast forward to now, uh, in 2019, in one of the games Steven Strasburg started, I think game two, um, the he was struggling early. And then they figured something out and they went to like a series. They just changed up their science. And like, uh, I think Sean Doolittle talked about this too. Like they have systems now where you basically have like five different set of signs. You're almost not, the catcher's almost irrelevant in this because to try to avoid this type of thing, or you're at least secretive enough to where they can't fully pick it up. So, and he adjusted on the fly, ended up doing fine. And then, hey, look what that, the Nationals won. Um, but, so this is all 2017 stuff. Um, what happened Rob, in 2017? Oh, yeah. So the the uh, Astros beat the Dodgers that in the World Series. So another um, another John Boy thing, um, the the World Series DVD, like, you know, that has highlights of the season, and, and it's a lot of playoff stuff, obviously, because that's the main thing. It, it has a lot of behind-the-scenes footage, and there's, like, a couple things from that. I think I sent you the, one of the tweets um, um that had screen caps from it and the like you could see the area where the like the dude sat uh at the monitor and there's one thing where like the guy right after the game i think the right after the astros won game three he's like taking the monitor down there's it's in this relatively it's a very open space in but that's but it's like that's a player's only like some of the media like if you're a sideline reporter you're probably sort of like tom verducci or ken rosenthal is like basically based down there you're not but you can't always tell exactly what's – I guess you could. But, like, um, the, the point is it's direct access to the dugout. There was, like, Gatorade towels, like, making sure nobody can see in from the open part from the field other than that sort of window from the dugout. But, anyway, you can see it all sort of in play here. Um, so that was kind of funny. Um, Rob Arthur, a baseball prospectus, he put out a uh, piece where he he, like, isolated the audio and you could actually – you could tell, like, in terms of, like, the, the decibels of the sound, whether it was either the trash can hitting or later on the year, including in the World Series, there was whistling. Um, both of them left, like, you know, signatures that were, like, noticeable. So, like, all he didn't go through went, go through in, uh, all the games. Where I'm, something like if MLB is investigating this, you could basically go through all the, the audio data and find out exactly where they did this based on that because it leaves like a signature imprint or whatever. So that was a that was an interesting article. Uh, Drellick and Rosenthal had two follow-up articles. Uh, the, the, the second one saying that A.J. Hinch, who was the manager at the time, Alex Cora, now the Red Sox manager, who was the bench coach at the time, Carlos Beltran, a player, um, and who is now the Mets manager, all were involved in the scheme. And so um, Beltran at the time, like he was the guy who was credited for like stealing um, or picking up the tells that you Darvish was doing uh-huh. uh, in his games. And this, okay. So back up for one second, we've talked about this before, like ceiling Steins is one thing you still have to hit the ball. So that that's part of it. Um, and like you Darvish, his credit, he had a really good, like sort of heartfelt uh, conversation with Dylan Hernandez. He also posted some on his YouTube channel. Where he basically said, "Look, yeah, there, you know, there were, um, you know, instances, but I, I can't look back on that and say absolve myself. He's I, I sucked basically. Like that was sort of the, and he's really he's like owned this better than anyone could have imagined. Despite you've seen like the replies to him, like they're just terrible. Like yeah. <laughs> they're terrible humans out there. Anyway, um, that said." 
uh, the Astros have like gone sort of beyond the pale here. The other article from The Athletic and then also subsequently confirmed through ESPN, Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan actually named the executive, which who is former uh, baseball prospectus um, podcaster and editor and writer, uh, prospect maven, Kevin Goldstein, who was the farm director, uh, or I guess, pro, I'm sorry, the scouting director there. And now he's like special assistant to the GM. He sent an email in 2017 basically asking scouts if there were ways to use cameras to look into the dugout, like pro scouts, advanced scouts for future opponents. And then uh, the scouts, like a lot of the scouts, like balked at this, like, what the hell are you talking about? We're going to get blackballed. You know, we can't do this. So there, there's like um, this, uh, this postseason. Um, the Yankees accused the Astros of using the whistling technique. AJ Hintz laughed it off, and I believe in one of the press conferences he said, "If anyone has any evidence, you should uh, like you should put your name on it and come over." And guess what? People are <laughs> so, but not necessarily for 2019. Um, the SNY reported that MLB did in fact um, uncover that there was like whistling, but I guess per this report, like weren't it wasn't enough to like say what exactly what the source was. So. There's something going on, like, and so the Astros are in the, they're in this like perfect storm of like too much hubris at this point, right? Like th- that's that's what, what a, they're going to end up. What a month ish they've had, right? Where they went from you know maybe yeah. not the most rooted for team, you don't win a World Series and still remain the underdog story, but you know I think that a lot of players, a lot of fans, man, I've done that twice today. Uh, fans still, you know, were sort of indifferent to them after the. Uh, the domestic abuse scandal um, with uh, Osuna and now this, it is just, <laughs> they are no- enemy number one for sure. Right. And so like, there, there's just something about like the way they've sort of gone about stuff. And look, it, it's not going to be like, they're not going to be like, well, you had this Brandon Taubin thing. So we're going to ding you for the signs even more. I don't think it's that, but, but imagine this, if they're in, they're still, MLB's like still investigating that instant because the the Astros had a lot of stuff go wrong including like how they attacked their PR department like attacked the uh writer of the SI story Stephanie Epstein uh and took them like a week to retract it even given several opportunities to even apologize like a normal human would um their basic like tenet like has been building the Astros way has been like we're gonna do it the way we want to do it and fuck you to like anyone else like there it is things yeah so and so now it's sort of coming back possibly to bite them. Look, if you want to be cynical, I think nothing like no one's going to go in. They're not going to go in and like take away their championship. And look, yes, as a USC, are. as a USC fan, it doesn't matter. Like I don't, nobody cares that uh, NCAA took away their uh, title in 2004 season. Like nobody recognizes that. Like it doesn't matter. And that doesn't I do. No, I'm going to well, recognize it, Eric. But it doesn't do. It doesn't deter anything. And that's where MLB. So how MLB has to handle this is basically they 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 need to. If the Astros are going to get like um, punished like righteously in this case or whatever, it's because the MLB wanted to drop the hammer and set an example. So if you just go back to that Red Sox thing, the first thing that how um, they sort of absolved the Red Sox, or at least didn't find them as much. It occurred without ownership or front office knowledge. There's no way that happened here. This was clearly like um, 
a pretty organized system and like I, it probably went all the way to Lunau. Who, who knows if what the investigation is going to unveil, but there's no question like it did. Um, and then like, so imagine the, the one connection to Taubman is this, like if they're investigating Taubman and like talking to him and all of a sudden he's like, cause look, he could be, I don't, I don't know if MLB would do this, but like if he's facing like a, some sort of like multi-year ban or ban from, he can't work in baseball anymore. Like he, you know, look, he could probably be successful in some other um, business or whatever, but he probably wants to still work in baseball. And one way he could do that is to cooperate the hell with MLB with, in their investigation. So if he could probably detail stuff or turn state's evidence as it, as it were, it's not like this is a criminal thing, so maybe not. But um, who knows what the investigation is going to turn up. But I think that's how they would get hammered is just their sort of like, like, like just being able to like not just so that nobody could do this and go undeterred. Like the Astros probably already <laughs> benefited to the tune of like, they probably gained like a hundred million dollars by winning the world series. Like in the playoff run, uh, brand value, etc. cetera, um, just throwing a number out there. It's probably near that, right? And so uh, f- f- finding them, see, look, even your dog is, is angry. <laughs> so, like, like finding them is not going to, you know, do much. Like, it doesn't deter them because be like, well, if, we, if it they got really close to winning the World Series again this year, let's let's keep doing this. Like, you, you have to make it hurt, right? So you were talking, like, draft picks, uh, front office people get suspended. Um, I don't know what else you would do. I'm just saying that, like that's that's sort of how you handle this. But I, I don't. I have no idea how it's going to actually be handled. But that's sort of what we're looking at. Well, <clears throat> replacing the Cody Bellinger pace update will be the Astros weren't didn't, lost the 2017 World Series uh, pace update. update. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they <laughs> lost another. Oh man. Uh, but we got we got. Uh, you have a Dodgers Rewind. Craig has some questions for us, and we're going to do that all that after this break. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You hinted at it a little bit earlier when we were talking about Sayun, but I know you have a kind of a, a Dodgers rewind I'm excited for. Yeah, so we, we talked about Ryu finishing second. The first Sayun Award... Uh, the Dodger finished second, and it was Sal Magley. He didn't even start the year with them. Uh, he was um, he was 39, 1956. The, he started the year with the Indians. The Dodgers purchased him from them in May. He was 13 and five with a 287 ERA. His uh, 139 ERA plus led the National League. Uh, Don Newcomb won 27 games and won Cy Young. Uh, Don Newcomb pitched a no hitter uh, on September 25th that year versus the Phillies. The Dodgers entered that game a half a game back with five games left. The Braves only had four games left. They were ahead of them. And so that was a huge no-hitter in their pennant race. The Dodgers would eventually win the pennant on the final day of the season, um, including winning a start by Magley uh, four days after. That was the last no-hitter by a Brooklyn Dodger. 
uh, and their 10th overall in history. Uh, he was one and one in the World Series that year, um, both complete games. He won game one. He lost game five, but only pitched eight innings because Don Larson threw a perfect game on the, against him. So uh, I was looking at this. That World Series is weird. So the Dodgers, right, they're, they lost to the Yankees five times um, in – you know, in their history and, and most of those in the previous, like, few years. And then they finally win in 1955. They win the pennant again in 56. They're up 2 nothing in the World Series. They scored 19 runs in those first two games. <laughs> and then they scored six runs in the last five games and lost the series in seven. Uh, they had they had one run in the final three games of that series. They won game six, one nothing in 10 innings at home. And then they lost nine, nothing in game. If we talk about 2017, it was a crap game seven. Imagine Ebbets field in game seven in 1956, nine, nothing. That had to be terrible. Oh yeah. So second in in both Cy Young and MVP that year, Don Newcomb won both awards. Bagley was second. He was nicknamed the barber because, uh, he would throw at people's <laughs> heads guess, yeah. and like just just under their chin like that's so that, I mean look abhorrent practice but cool nickname right um, he led the league in ERA in 1950 he led the NL in wins in an ERA plus in 1951 um, so like they didn't have the Cy Young in those years he didn't. Um, I would say he didn't. Jim Constantine won Cy Young as a or won MVP as a pitcher in 1950. Magley would finished behind him. So in 1951, though, he was fourth in the MVP vote, and there was no Cy Young left, and he was the highest pitcher. So if there was a Cy Young, he probably would have won it that year. <clears throat> he was also linked to Newcomb in 1951 in that October 3rd, the third game of the playoff between the Dodgers and Giants. Um, Newcomb and Magley started that game. Uh, Magley left after eight innings, trailing four to one, and I don't remember what happened after that. Um, so Magley, uh, he had a weird year. So, like I mentioned, he's thirty-nine in nineteen fifty-six, but he didn't start his career until like pretty late. Um, he didn't debut until age twenty-eight during the war, nineteen forty-five. But then, like during, he signed with the Mexican League, like that winter or like maybe the next season. And the commissioner at the time, like, was trying to, like, prevent people from jumping leagues. So he suspended players who jumped to the Mexican League for five years. So Magley did, that's why Magley didn't pitch again until 1950 in the majors. Um, he had a, uh, those last uh, four years of his career, 55, 56, 57, 58, he, he was the first guy ever to switch leagues in four straight years, like midseason. <laughs> He started with the Giants in 55, went to the Indians. Next year, he went to the Dodgers. Next year, he started with the Dodgers, went to the Yankees. Then he started with the Yankees and went to the Cardinals. So, look, he had a he had 30 war in his career at 10 years, 315 ERA, 127 ERA+. Excellent pitcher. Uh, yeah, so that that's today's uh, Dodgers Rewind. The Barber. Is it weird, like, I abhor hitting, hitting players in this day and age, but I love hearing old-timey stories about it? Yeah, because it happened in the past, and like yeah, unless you're liter- unless unless you're literally talking about, and they uh, weren't, uh, you know, Car- the- Carl Mays like killing Ray Chapman. Like, oh yeah, no, no. It, it, it Don Drysdale okay. had the whole thing where intentional walks a waste. How, right. how dated is that phrase now? For a number of reasons now. Uh, all right, first question from Craig. Oh wait, no, we got to do the thing. We got to do the thing. So it's time for questions from Craig. 
mother would have been so upset with me if we didn't do the jingle. <laughs> I do love that jingle. The first question. Do you think the Astros will make Bobby Thompson an honorary Dodger or Astro? <laughs> that's not the, that's from me. First real question. Back to the best of the twenty tens. Eric, this is for you after making me do all the trivia questions while I'm sick as a dog. Can you name the three National League players to steal more than two hundred stolen bases in the twenty tens? That's the first question. Um Wow. Okay. Same thing. You so... get three strikes. I don't in the old think ball game. Juan, yeah, um, I don't think Juan Pierre lasts long enough. I'll say Jose Reyes. I played this game, and he was my first guest too. By the way. Okay, um, and this is terrible because oh, okay, uh, D. Gordon, Billy Hamilton, two, correct, correct. Um, man, um, trying to think here. Just because he's been around the whole decade, but I don't know how long he's how much he's played. Rajai Davis. Oh, he's in National League. Yep. Never mind. I, I'm not guessing Rajai Davis. Um, National League. Uh, I. Jimmy Rollins. All right. Uh, um. Man, this is going to be bad. Um. I don't think that Matt Kemp didn't do enough. But you know what? I give up. I don't know. Sterling I, I can't Martin. think. Oh, wow. All right. I would not have got that. It would have taken me a long time. <laughs> Second question. I think you can do this. Name the one AL player to steal more than 300 bases this decade. Oh, 300. Uh, well, did I? Okay, Rajay Davis? Yep, correct. <laughs> okay, good. I was uh, going to say. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, who led the majors in stolen bases from 2010 to 2019? Okay, so D. Gordon didn't going to late billy hamilton had like the four straight years where he was like i think he was 56 57 58 i don't think he got to 322 so i'll go rajay davis uh rajay davis was second oh you oh may... so it's a okay go, go, um, go with your gut you you were you were nibbling on it billy hamilton then. no d gordon it is d gordon okay it is d right. gordon. good for him <laughs> Oh, man. Four more questions, then I can go cough my lungs up. Thanksgiving is one of the holidays that tend to be celebrated at a home. Do your family and friends... What? It is. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Do your family and friends tend to watch football, movies, play games, or do you have a dinner and then go on your way? Uh, We will probably... We'll play games. um, Football, depending on the house. I used to have uh, my sister's. She would rarely have the game on just because that's not her family style. But, like, it's usually on in the background. Uh, it doesn't, it took a more primary um, role, like when my mom was hosting for when I was growing up, but because um, I would turn the game on, but like, uh, turn games on. But, like, yeah, it's like more background for me. But we play a lot of games and, like, yeah, and then probably still leave, um, I don't know, like in the evening at some point. Not necessarily right after dinner. I tend to do Thanksgiving here in Kansas City with uh, my wife. My wife. Family, uh, which tends to mean that Melissa and I uh, help out cooking in the morning. I usually put on the Mystery Science Theater Turkey Day Marathon at that point. Nice. Once enough of her family shows up, I get overruled and football gets put on. Yeah. Uh, Then we eat dinner and then, yeah, it's kind of um, a little bit of talking, but then home after that. I do think that should I ever get back to LA to hang out with my family 
Thanksgiving at some point. Uh, I, I would make game happen. I'm a we're a gaming family. I like to think. Yeah, games are fun. I, the other thing I would I forgot to mention was uh, another sort of fun past the time thing is just to uh, have the Twilight Zone marathon on because those are more digestible, like a quick half hour, and then you can get back to whatever you're doing. So. As we look back, I'm thinking of a favorite moment I saw in person at Dodger Stadium in the 2010s. I saw many, but I will pick the walk-off home run that won the NL West in 2016 on Vince Scully's last home game. Craig has pretty good ideas for what we're going to say, but he wants us to know. I'm sure Craig can guess mine. It's uh, Juan Rebe's home run in the NLDS against the Braves. Not close. So I think that's mine, too. And I, the only thing that would come close to it is Kershaw's no-hitter. Sure. But that's less of a moment as oh, a man. Had as I a been game. there for that, I that would have been but interesting. I just, to, to I just the, the Uribe home run, uh, that place was so loud. And like, it just is one of those where you could like feel the stadium. Mm-hmm. And, um, and plus, his that was like a redemption year for Uribe, who was absolutely terrible for like two years and like left for dead basically. And just to sort of culminate his sort of um, his it, rise, just so like much was neat things into that at bat because there was this tension because they uh, that if the dog went if it because it was game four, but if it went to game five, they'd be going back to Atlanta. The pitching would be kind of in disarray, so there was that angle. Having already was, used Kershaw, in, yeah, exactly in, on short rest in game four, right? They had uh, the the Kimbrel in the bullpen, which I wasn't thinking of at the time, but Twitter definitely re- reminded me of it. Yeah, and then uh, I assume you remember, but I don't know if everyone remembers. Uribe was originally bunting <laughs> twice. He <laughs> bunted like... foul twice, <laughs> and, and and then he's like, "Well, I can't bunt anymore. Let's just see if see what the old swingeroo can do." And then, yep, there it was. Ah, uh, it was great. Yeah. Question four. How close will Cody Bellinger, hey, he's back, be to the L.A. Dodger franchise home run record when he enters free agent season, if he does, 30% some odd that he won't, you say, in 2023? (laughs) He currently has 111 home runs, and the L.A. franchise record is 270, which is held by Eric Karras. Yeah, he won't be close. Um, Only because a part of me, like, I just want to avoid this question because I would say – Flashback to 2011, Matt Kemp uh, <laughs> almost wins MVP. He, that offseason signs an eight-year, $160 million contract. Richest in National League history up to that point. Um, and I foolishly put a post up <laughs> saying, here's where Matt Kemp's chances are. Like, here's what Matt Kemp has to do to like set these Dodger records. Like, here's what, you know, he's going to be here for eight years, obviously. Um, and so like, let's just project it out coming off the best season of his career. He's clearly going to be on an upward trajectory and never look back. Um, and so like Bellinger's obviously younger, uh, so it's different, but like, yeah, I mean, he'll be over 200 for sure. It's four years, right? Until, so like if he just averages, like if he averages 35 a year, that's 140. So that puts him at 251. I think... Something like that's reasonable, but like, even if it's like, so he's averaged thirty-seven for his three years. Um, let's let's mark him up to thirty-eight because he missed three weeks in in two thousand seventeen. So like, if he if he does that, 
four years at 38 is one what 152 so he'd be at 262 so he still wouldn't get to 270 so yeah he's not getting to 270 he obviously could you know have a couple 40s in there or whatever but yeah i, I it's so weird things happen man like so uh, it's it's a very hard thing to do so yeah i don't think he's going to get to 270 all right here it is the food question there will be plenty of turkey leftovers next week Turkey is a go-to sandwich ingredient. Do you prefer a standard turkey and cheese, a turkey dip a la Philippe's, or a hot turkey sandwich with mashed potatoes, maybe gravy, maybe, or maybe something else with those turkey leftovers? I I generally don't like to put cheese on turkey, uh, uh, on a turkey sandwich. Uh, that's weird. I, that's, I do sometimes. Delicious. But like, so my the general like, the di- the the Felipe's uh, the Felipe's dip is um, is the way for me, but like just a leftover, just like a standard like sort of um, like an onion roll or something, mm-hmm. and then just put a bunch of um, turkey on there and then some mustard, um, and honestly, like not much else. Like if there's gravy, sure, <laughs> put it on there, but like um, like I just. I just like the, the the next day turkey sandwich. It's an excellent like quickie meal. Yeah, I do a lot of either just turkey sandwiches like you described, but with cheese because I'm an American and, and American sure. cheese. I might add. I was, I was, I was just going to say, do you put American cheese on there? Uh, but a lot of times I'll just do you know the leftover special, which is heat up some mac and cheese, heat up some stuffing. Uh, a thing you can do to heat up that stuffing is use a waffle iron. It's delicious. And Ooh, throw some nice. turkey on top of that, put some gravy on it, and go to the town. Sometimes when the leftovers are getting down, I will put all those ingredients on an onion roll. Um, nice. And it's delicious. Look, look, yeah, see. Just carbs, 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 turkey, and some gravy. The the sandwich for me is like the, uh, I just want something quick. Yep. But the most likely thing is like is to just fix a whole plate and like put yesterday's meal on the plate, like, you know, with mashed potatoes, gravy, turkey, stuffing, and then you're set. Um, so yeah, I, I've not used the, uh, waffle iron, but that sounds delicious. Gives so. it a little consistency. Let's, you know, hold whatever other sauces yeah. you got going. Well, that's what I'm going to do uh, next week. Yeah. And so, we'll yeah. probably bearing any Thanksgiving day breaking news. We'll be back, uh, after Thanksgiving, right afterwards, uh, the early part of the week then. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have some exciting news to talk about, but if not, you and I will be probably drafting the team of the decade. Yep. The team of the 2010s. Uh, we'll, we'll have forgotten everything we've talked about uh, by then. <laughs> so yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you all have a good Thanksgiving and we will talk to you in December. Yeah.